Hi guys, my name is Sebi Tennyson and here with me is... Joshua Motosho. Welcome back to Make It Make Sense. On today's episode, we'll be talking about timing the market. Mm. Now we know that time is super essential, is a super essential part of the human life. From the time we wake up, to the time we go to bed, to the time we start college, to the time we begin our careers to the time we retire. And the reason timing is important or is crucial is because we don't want to waste the limited time we're given. It's no surprise that this idea has been applied to the stock market. The timing of entry and the timing of exit is extremely important. And now I'm going to get straight to the point without being too philosophical. The reason why this timing is super important is because everyone just wants to maximize profit. Profit is typically gotten from when we subtract our exit point from our entry point, right? The wider that gap would mean that we're maximizing our profit. So financial researchers have taken their time out to spend studying the trends in the market to look for the lowest points in order to maximize profit. Why is exit not important? Because the overall trend of the S&P 500 or this financial market as a whole is always trending upwards. So that's why uh, exit isn't important. So what do you think, Joshua, about this? So obviously, <clears throat> I agree with everything you've said with timing, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I think the entry is more important, especially if you're a long-term investor, right? Mm-hmm. Because as long-term investors, remember, our time horizon is between at least three to five years. You know, yeah. there are some stocks I when I plan to hold it forever, you know. Forever. <laughs> unless, unless something bad happens to the company, I actually yeah. do plan to hold it, like, perpetual for as long as possible. Yeah. Basically, you know. So that's why with timing, we try to get in at the right time. Yeah. You know, we try to get in at the right time. We're not so concerned about exit strategy unless you're a short-term trader or a yeah. short-term investor. That's why, okay we're more intentional about that exit strategy as well. That makes sense. I guess the reason why I thought timing would be important is because we're looking for the perfect dips to buy. So let's go into and talk about the overall effect in the market or best times to buy and sell a particular stock. So the first month we'll talk about is the January effect. So typically at the beginning of the year, the market tends to do positively and investors make a lot of money. And the reason behind this is called the January effect. People or rumor has it or analysis, uh, financial analysts say it is because some investors are removing money out of lost positions. They're moving money out of lost positions and they're putting it into stronger positions. And because of, you know, tax breaks, maybe they might not get taxed as much. Some argue that because retail investors have some sort of, you know, New Year's resolution. (laughs) So a lot of them are flooding into the market and trying to, you know, make money in the stock market because, you know, everyone wants to have a good habit at the beginning of the year. And from data between 1928 and 2018, uh, this January effect has ended up being green 56 out of 91 times, right? So that's 62% of the time this January effect happened. So it's not guaranteed, but from the analysis and the trends, this is what has been observed. And many of this information we're going to give in this podcast is gotten from marketwatch.com, cnbc.com, fidelityinvestment.com, as well as some of all these cool names gotten from Investopedia. So what do you think about the January effect? So the January effect, I mean, it does make sense 
that um, in the beginning of the year, people want to have better habits. You know, we have a lot of retail investors also using their bonuses from Christmas you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to put to work in the stock market. Makes sense. Right. But again, I'll ask the question, what kind of investor are you? Are you a short-term investor or a long-term Mm-hmm. So if you're short term, obviously this is when you want to buy, right? Because you want to buy when it's January effect when everything is going. Yes, high. if you're a short term investor, right? Why? Because especially for example, if you're doing options, you know that's where you have a lot of your stocks, you know, breaking resistance, you know, breaking out of their bases. So you're saying call option buying call yes, options? Yes. Okay, I thought Those you meant options. like buying the stock. Yeah, I mean, some people they day trade, really? they don't day trade options, they day trade with stocks. Oh, so well. you're saying and that it could you be would both just options, okay? It could, be, it could be the stock as well. Okay, so you're just saying that you would just buy the stock today, maybe sell tomorrow when it's broken oh, yes. another resistance. Okay, yes, so that's basically what I mean if you're a short term trader mm-hmm. because it is a strong month. However, if you're a long term, you know, generally, I don't think you should really sell your stocks. You know, if it's a good company, it's a strong company. What if company. you're about to retire or you're, you know, Wanting to buy a home. Okay, that's an exemption. Yeah. But if, <laughs> if you're not, then I don't really believe anyone. Sh- I plan to hold most of my stocks like for as long as possible. So what's the point of right. having stocks if you just want to hold it forever? I mean, maybe when I retire, I okay. sell some of it. You know, then it's not forever. Then. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as yeah, long I as you, you as long as you hold the stocks, you know, because whenever you sell it, oh, trust me, next year is probably going to be higher. Yeah, if it's a good company and you're going to start with good, I dang, this is how much I could have made. You have to sell at some right. point. I mean, you get my point. Yeah, just, <laughs> so yeah. if you're a long term and you do want to sell, maybe you can sell into strength here. Yeah. Right. But as for me, you know, as a long term investor with a longer time horizon, I do want to hold my positions. Okay. So the next month is re- typically called the Santa Claus rally. So this is between the fifth day uh, trading day of December and the second trading day of January, right, in the stock market. Usually, the market tends to go up, and people argue that this is because December usually starts slower, but then begins to pick up and tends to make more money at the end of the year, right? Because a lot of people are spending, right? Another reason why people say the December rally, uh, the Santa Claus rally occurs is because people are anticipating the January effect. And the data between 1950 and 2019, the Santa Claus rally happened 77.9% of the time. So would you, your sentiment is the same for the Santa Claus rally as it was for the January effect? Yes, exactly. It's exactly the same. If you're short term, you know, this is when you're taking your bullish positions yeah. you know, and trying to trade around that. And if you're long term, if maybe there's a position you've been wanting to sell, Right, this would be the perfect time to sell it into strength. Okay, like for example, if you're done with like your cyclicals, industrial stocks, you can be like, okay, now it's time for me to sell off those positions and come over to maybe more growth stocks or vice versa. Yeah, but that means we're not investing in the long term for those cyclicals then. I mean, maybe if you had it for like five years, then you're like, okay, I feel like I've been here for a while, just declaring my position. Okay, if that's okay. the case, then you can sell it then. Okay, makes sense. So the next month that we're going to talk about is may so this month is actually pretty bad it's called sell in may and go away this means that investors usually uh make some money throughout the beginning of the year and leading up to the summer months they begin to sell aggressively and the market typically drops hence what we're seeing currently right but there's a whole nother story to what's going on in may in this current time 
So between May 1st and usually around October 31st, the stock market tends not to do really well. And some people argue that it's because the traders are going on vacation mm. and they're trying to sell and, you know, pay for their vacation. Some other people argue that it's because home buying happens usually around the summer, which is very interesting to me. I didn't, when I saw that, I thought that was pretty interesting. But people are like, oh, because they're selling in order to pay for some of these homes or people tend to do renovations or some sort of expense is going on during the summer. And that's why they're selling. But the main one that occurred or that was repeated was the vacation going on. So what do you think? What position do you think someone should hold during the sell in May go away? Should they sell and go away? I mean, so this actually just reminds me of what Jim Kramer said a few weeks ago that you shouldn't actually sell in May and go away. You should actually (laughs) buy the dip on great companies. Buy the dips on great (laughs) It doesn't really rhyme. I'm just kidding. But I think this applies to long-term traders, long-term investors, rather, you know. Because at this point, you're going to see a lot of high-quality names on sale, you know. So I think if you're invested for the long term, you know, at least three to five years, this is when you can come in and, you know, pick some of those stocks up for, a cheaper price but if you're obviously a short-term trader or investor this is when you want to take your bearish positions you know yeah. because you're going to have a lot of these stocks losing their you know 50 ma the 20 moving at 20 day moving average and it's it's just it's like heaven for you know bearish people yeah right but again i want to reiterate you know if you're a long-term investor this is time to buy a good stock but also another thing i want to talk about is we need to know the nature of the sell-off you know why yeah. is the market going down because if you look at something that's happened, not just in May, but kind of since February, a lot of stocks have had a lot of air taken out of them, you know. Since last March, we've had a crazy rally mm-hmm. in the markets. But Beautiful. some <laughs> some stocks have gone up 300, 400, 500 percent, you know. Thousands of percent. Yeah. And yeah. some of these stocks are what we refer to as speculative stocks, right? Yes. So this is stocks. So what do you mean by speculative? So this is stocks like we're kind of depending on them to make a big break in their technology. Or we believe the industry they're in is for the future. Okay. But fundamentally, they don't really have much, right? What does that mean? So a lot of these companies... Some of them actually have no revenue. They haven't sold a product at all. But maybe they have a prototype, you know. Okay. Or they have some kind of technology that a lot of people believe will be valuable in the future, right? Oh. So it's kind of like paying up front, right? And the reason we have to connect this to everything that's happening with the inflation and the interest rates, right? Because last time, last year, when the market kind of collapsed, you know, we know what the Fed did. They took the interest rates basically down to zero, right? Yeah. And this is great for a lot of high-growth companies, yes. right? Because we we remember how companies are valued, right? Yes. Basically, what the cash flow is, we take what we believe the future cash flow will be and we discount it by the interest rates, right? So the Yes. So the lower the lower the interest rate is, the larger, you know, the discounted cash flow is going to be. Exactly. Right? So what happens when interest rates are low? Because bonds are not doing well. A lot of investors are content. I mean, they're okay with paying even more for some of these high-growth companies, mm-hmm. right? But whenever there's fears or talks about inflation, there are threats that, oh, you know, would the Fed raise the interest rates or not? The market starts to get worried. Whether or not it's going to happen, they just start getting worried. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of these hedge funds, institutions have made over 200 or 300% of these stocks, they're usually the first ones to go. Yeah. You know, they're the first ones to get sold. Because now, because if the interest rates goes up, that discounted cash flow is you know, a lot lower. Yes. 
So higher rates, you know, the Definitely. higher the discounting factor, the lower the cash present mm-hmm. value of the cash, cash flow, flow yeah. is going to be. That's why if you look at a lot of these speculative companies, look at your quantum scape, which is a battery company, you know, look at your plug power, which is a hydroelectric company, right? A lot of this, look at your lemonade, which is a insurance company that uses AI. They're all fantastic, great companies. But just because of the threat of inflation and also the fact that they've run up so much, you know, they've gotten crushed in the past few months. That makes perfect sense. But I seem to recall that uh, Powell, the Fed chair, who has the ability to raise or decrease interest rates, said he wasn't even going to consider raising interest rates until 2022. And also, if the job uh, or the unemployment rates are, you know, positive. And as we can see from our, even in our last episode, we mentioned how it was actually worse than expected, meaning that they're not going to in, uh, increase interest rates at all. So it just seems to me that Wall Street is really confused right now. They are want, in one end, they're wanting to act based on the possibility of interest rates increasing. And in another end, people are like, but he said he's not going to increase this rates clearly multiple times, even though he's been pressured to change his mind. He said he's not going to. So I believe that's why we're seeing a lot of choppiness, if I might add, going on in this market, especially with, you know, growth stocks, because sometimes you're like, oh, it's going really bad. And it's like, you know, sell, 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 sell. And all of a sudden, like someday it will just go green all of a sudden type deal. Yes. Yeah, so what I would say about that is we need to remember the stock market is what we call the ultimate discounting machine. Mm-hmm. Right. And another thing about the market is it, it doesn't like uncertainty. Definitely. Like if there's anything like, oh, mm, we're not sure, we're not sure, there's going to be a huge problem, you yeah. know. And this actually started all started in January, you know. That was when the bond yields first surged. Mm-hmm. Like I can't remember how much, but it surged like crazy. And that's where we saw growth stocks kind of stagger mm-hmm. a bit, you know. And yes, you're right in the sense that Powell has, once again, he's always reiterated that, man, until we see significant improvement in our employment numbers, they're not going to think about think about raising rates. Yeah. But what the market does is that they look around, what's going up, what's going on around, look at lumber, right? So it's the price expensive. of lumber went more expensive, look at oil going up, look at copper, look at steel, you know, and I would um, argue that these are not because of demand side inflation but it's because of shocks in the supply chain due to the virus right for example let's take a look at home builders right you can look at last year right so we know like you said summer is a very good month for home builders because there's a lot of order flow right yes but because of the covid they really couldn't do anything to work. And also what happened in Texas too. People also forget that there was COVID and the whole winter storm that happened too exactly, in Texas as well. Exactly. So with the houses, because um, they could not work during the summer and because of COVID, everyone was locked down. They're really backlogged, mm-hmm. right? And if they're backlogged and a lot of, you know, trucks that move um, lumber all around the countries, they couldn't really work. You know, yeah. the, the whole supply chain was basically broken, yeah. right? So obviously we're just getting back in. Right. And when we start getting back in, of course, you're going to see inflation because the supply chain is still trying to restore itself. Right. But we like just as Powell said that inflation is transitory. I agree with him. Yeah. You know, because finally, when these supply chains get established, even commodities, look at last week, a lot of them are falling already. Lumber is dipping. You know, a lot of this oil is dipping as well. Right. So maybe the market has started to realize that uh, maybe this is transitory. Only time will tell. 
I guess it doesn't really matter what caused the inflation. As long as it's already here, the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is things are getting expensive and interest rates are the only way to curb this inflation, yeah. right? So, But I do think what is causing inflation is important. No, yeah, I believe the cause is important yeah. and it's very, yes, because I'm not Because let I'm me not ask you a question. It. Okay, so if power raises interest rates right now, how would that um, help the price of lumber? Yeah. Exactly. It's not the supply chain is still broken. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you've increased the rates, but it's still going to be expensive because the supply chain is broken. But but is that the sentiment of people? And I guess that's the reason why there is a great divide currently in Wall Street because is that the sentiment of these people? Do they really care about what is causing? Because it yeah. it's obvious when you're watching CNBC, these people don't seem to care what is causing. They're just like, oh, inflation numbers are really high. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they're causing it. And if their sentiment is anything like their friends in this hedge fund companies, then there there is there's more leaning to power intri- increasing this interest rates. And that's why as investors who have information, who do yeah. our own research, we buy the dip on great companies. Because exactly. in my opinion, five months from now, when we see that man, this inflation was trying I mean I could be wrong, but I do believe that um, a few months from now, we're going to say that, oh, dang, you know, this inflation was actually just transitory. Yeah. Man, FANG is going to explode, in my opinion. So just let me say FANG is is an acronym that Jim Cramer invented. Yes. You know, those are the large mega caps companies. So F stands for Facebook. A stands for Apple. Another A stands for Amazon. N stands for Netflix. And G stands for Google, which trades under the name Alphabet. You know, remember the M. Yeah. So th- yeah. now they put an M behind it, which is Microsoft, basically. Yeah. And why I really like, love these companies in this environment is the fact that, you know, even if they raise interest rates, right? So another thing about interest rates, if, if they get raised, it becomes more expensive to borrow money. But True. we need to remember a lot of these companies have hundreds of billions of dollars on their balance sheet. Yeah. They have more than enough cash to cover almost anything they could face. I agree. Right? So a raise, an increase in interest rate was never really going to shake them as much. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, just summary of the whole rant we went on to and with interest rates and inflation is just really observe the overall market because again, this is not a guaranteed uh, science or anything. It's not a guaranteed hard fact. But for the most part, if the if the stock market isn't really go- doing good and it is weak, buy the dip. But we want you to do your research on those particular stocks so you don't buy the dip that keeps on dipping. <laughs> you know, you don't just want to be like, oh, it's dipping, but it keeps dipping. How <laughs> long do I buy this dip? So we're going to move on to uh, crypt- the crypto space, right? Ooh. And because the crypto space is still pretty new, there is really just a little bit of data and it's not strong enough in my opinion because it is just from 2006 2016 to 2019 and this data is skewed because the vast majority of the information is gotten from bitcoin so basically from the observation of this data it says that uh, crypto has this thing called the weekend effect right and basically what that means is that for the most part during the weekends crypto market is usually stronger and the strongest days for you know the cryptocurrency would be from on saturdays and on mondays Mm. and the reason behind this some people argue is that oh people are investing in the during the weekdays and on the stock market and during the weekends they can focus on the crypto market because this is uh it's 24 7 basically to invest in cryptocurrencies however Another research that I saw that actually found more interesting is that crypto is actually traded 
heavily during the weekdays. However, it is traded in low volumes during the weekend. And this might seem counterintuitive for people who are, you know, not into the stock market because you think that, oh, with high volume, obviously it should be doing really well. But however, because there are low volumes going on during the weekends, this means that fewer buying and selling activities are happening. And what that means is that surge of prices would occur even with little volumes going on. So if someone moves like a million dollars during the weekend would have a more adverse effect or positive effect, you know, to the moon or to the mud. (laughs) But depending on which way the million dollars is going, that it would have had during the weekdays where, you know, there is $65 million trading. So that's the reason they said that it's during the weekend is when, you know, the crypto market is a lot stronger. And again, take this with a grain of salt. However, for me, I have observed that, oh, I have personally seen a strength, at least in the prices, not necessarily in the volume, that my when I, whenever it is I want to sell or whenever I'm trading Dogecoin, I usually sell during the weekends and buy during the weeks, uh, during the weekday for me and average into my position during the weekdays for me. But what do you think about that? So one thing I like about that is the fact that you average in because yeah. buying in, you know, gradually is very important, especially with the crypto markets. Yes, being because the it's fact extremely that it's pretty volatile. Mm-hmm. You know, but once again, even with crypto, because now, I mean, <laughs> yeah. she knows my stance about crypto. I do believe we need to be very, very careful yeah. and research a lot and do a lot of due diligence. So I think that's just my take. Do your own due diligence, you know, invest gradually, put in your money gradually, don't rush, be patient. Yeah, 100%. I, I definitely agree on that. And I think that the more we continue to trade and we continue to learn together, we're going to make a whole lot of money, guys. But overall, like he said, doing research will avoid you from buying the dip that keeps on dipping. (laughs) Really, it really would. And timing the market if you're a long-term investor is not, you know, essential to me that much. But I think that these months are definitely ones to look at, to get into. Don't really focus on particular days or times, you know, or hours when you should enter into the market. But enter into every position slowly. So I hope this helps you all as you get started investing the market. It was a pleasure talking with you guys. So see you in the next episode. Bye, guys. See you all guys.